0: You're listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message at 11 a.m. Mount Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. To learn more, visit mtcarmeldemarest.com or facebook.com forward slash mtcarmeldemarest. Thanks for listening. I also want to uh, thank many of you uh, who have signed up to be a part of my sermon prep prayer team. I'm actually going on uh, like a second schedule of it, like we're doubling up in the hours. Uh, and for those who don't know what that is, is I ask any of you who would make a once-a-week commitment for an hour during my sermon preparation, not that you're praying the whole hour, but during that hour, if you would pause and pray for me and Sunday sermon. Uh, and then also, one of the things that I was delighted to find out this week, we have people who listen through Facebook and podcasts who uh, who messaged us and say put us on that prayer list, so which is really awesome. So uh, if you're a part of that, thank you. Uh, but if you know me at all, I need all the prayer you can give me. All right, uh, so you can still sign up on the back uh, in the ta- uh, on the table in the foyer, um, and please do that. I'll probably keep it up the month of January, and then we'll take it down. So thank you for being a part of that. Matthew 16:18, and then we're also going to look at verse 18:17. Uh, uh, in a little bit, but I want to preach to you a sermon that I'm going to be frank and honest and transparent about. I'm scared to death to preach to you, uh, entitled, Which Pen Are You In? And that's P-E-N, all right? Which pen are you in? In 2007, I was a freshman at Toccoa Falls College Every weekend, I drove up to North Carolina to minister to a youth group. After a trial period, the church hired me in a permanent capacity. Shortly after that, the associate pastor took me out to lunch. He was reviewing my performance and discussing plans. Then he asked the question, When are you going to join the church? I don't remember my exact reply, but I know I was dismissive. At this point in my life, here's what I thought about church membership. One, in this context, I knew it meant solidarity with the staff. (laughs) You're paying me to come up here. Be nice to join, I guess. The church would place my name on their church membership roll and an extra stat would be added to the annual church profile. I thought it's just a name and a number. I knew I would be able to vote on personnel and church budget matters. At the same time, I'm going to be honest, frank, and transparent again. I was unsure if I wanted to be a Southern Baptist. I grew up in a free will Baptist denomination. I wasn't sure about that. And also, I was unsure of my personal commitment to that church. And I wanted to keep my options open. Those were some of the thoughts on church membership that I had. Now, through the years being in ministry, I've heard some really good reasons to join a church, and I've heard some really bad reasons. Some of my favorite bad reasons, and I'm sympathetic, but was to have a spot in the cemetery. I always... Was so, there's nothing exciting to a preacher to hear like, why do you want to join the church? Well, we really would like a spot out back. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> it happens, it's real. Uh, to use the facilities without charge, you know, free wedding. I've had people come in for that free wedding. But then some, which I'm much more sympathetic about, okay, they didn't want to become members Because their last church bummed them out. They had a terrible church experience. I'm sympathetic with those. And I'm also sympathetic with those who got burned out. They were at a church that made them do everything. And they're like, I need rest. (laughs) I've been there. And then I actually know this. I know there are people who are attending Mount Carmel right now. who These people do everything a member does without being a member. So, does local church membership matter, right? That's the question. Does it even matter if you can accomplish it without it? Thirteen years ago, I would have said it doesn't. I never became a member of that church that I talked about earlier, and I felt some misplaced sense of pride that I, I had made it the whole time on staff and never was a member. I take no pride in it now. None. And I would encourage every one of you to join a local church, all right? And please understand this sermon. I'm not saying join Mount Carmel. Join a local church, all right? I understand that in one sense, church membership is not biblical in one sense. And what I mean by in one sense, I mean that it's not explicit in the text. You're not going to turn to Joshua 17, 15. It says, thou shalt be a church member. All right, But here's what I need you to catch. Please follow me. Without some implied form of church membership, certain texts, certain passages in the scriptures just don't make sense. Okay, What I want to show you is the world behind the text. What must be going on because certain things will not make sense to you if there's not something like church membership. That's what I want to argue to you this morning. Let me give you a little bit of context. The word church, we've got to first start with defining church. The word church has an Old Testament background. We sometimes don't think there was a church in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the word church is the Hebrew word kahel, okay? Now, I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I know much more Greek. But I want to at least give you this. Kahel just simply means congregation or assembly of God's people. So in the Old Testament, uh, for those who've studied their Bibles, they may know, the people of Israel were God's called out chosen people. And when the people of Israel gathered together, guess what they were having? Church. All right, you got me. Now the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures, they translate kahel to the term ekklesia. All right? The Greek term is made up of two parts, ek, which means out, and kaleo, klesio, which means called, called out. It is the called out assembly or congregation. So think of it this way. You have the mass of humanity, and God calls people out of that into his church. Oh, you're following with me. Now, here's what we're going to find today. In Matthew 16, 15 through 19, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to build his church. So, please catch this. Church can be used of any congregation or assembly. Everybody got me? What we're trying to specify and get narrowed down in is on Jesus' church. Everybody got me? Just kind of nod your head. That made me feel better. All right? Let's look at Matthew chapter 16. Let's look at verse 13. I'll start up there. It says this, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippa, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, if you're just now new to Matthew, the Son of Man is Jesus' favorite self-designation or nickname for himself. It's from Daniel chapter 7. He's basically saying, Who do people say that I am? And here's what they replied. They replied, some say John the Baptist. You're a resurrected John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, another great prophet. So others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. They thought he was an awesome prophet come back from the dead. And then verse 15. But y'all. He looks at all of his disciples. He says, but y'all, he asked, who do y'all say that I am? All right, so he's asking his 12 closest people who have followed him... For a good bit of his life. What do y'all think? And Simon Peter steps forward. He says, You are the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Wow. Look at verse 17. Jesus responded, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. It's almost kind of a backhanded compliment to Peter. Like, you're not that smart, Peter. (laughs) And then he notices this. He says, But my Father in heaven... And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Haiti, death itself, will not prevail against it. Now, I want to go ahead and preface this. I am not saying, therefore, Jesus has just built a church membership program. Okay? That's not what I'm saying. This is the first of two times that Jesus, during his earthly personal ministry that he uses the word church or ecclesia. Here he is talking about, and write this down in your notes, what we theologians have called the universal church, universal church, or as I'm going to refer to it in my sermon, the big pen, B-I-G-P-E-N, the big pen. And the universal church is the assembly Of all Christians from all ages. Alright, catch that. The assembly of all Christians from all ages. What he is saying is, he is talking about every saint... Every person who has repented of their sins and trusted Jesus as their Savior, their Messiah, their Christ, the Son of God, they belong to the universal church. That that, that does not matter where in the world they are. That doesn't matter when in the world they were. All right. They belong to Jesus' church. We sometimes will call it the cosmic church. And then here's another interesting part. This church has not yet gathered for corporate worship. One of the amazing things is they'll call this the eschatological community. The eschaton is the future or the end of things. See, what happens is this church only gets together when we all get to heaven. What a day that'll be. That'll be our first universal church worship service. And Revelation depicts it. But in this sermon, I just want to call it the big pen. And I want you to think of it just as Jesus has used the metaphor before, that Jesus is the great shepherd over the flock of his sheep who are Christians. The big pen divides men and women according to their faith or unbelief in Jesus Christ. So catch this, Jesus is dividing all of humanity into what? Either you're in my big pen or you're outside of it. He's made a a division. And the big pen is your primary concern. I want you to know, my first concern pastorally is that you're a part of Jesus' big pen. Alright? There are eternal consequences for not being a part of Jesus' flock. I need you to get that. How do you become a member of the big pen? Write it down. You repent of your sins And trust Jesus Christ alone as your Savior and God. You repent of your sins and trust Jesus Christ alone as your Savior and God. Every single one of us is a sinner. That composes all of humanity. All of us are sinners. And here's what Jesus and his disciples who comprise the church are calling us to do. They're calling us out of our sin. Calling us out of the world calling us to repent and then calling us to turn to Jesus and by faith embrace Him as our Savior and God. And I want you to know this. This is awesome. You can do that in your heart this moment right now. You can turn from, Jesus, uh, turn from sin, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And at that moment, you're a part of the big pen. All right? Now, I want you to think about this. Notice some things that you don't have to do in order to be a part of the big pen. All right, I want to be this clear. The thief on the cross, if you remember the story, looks at Jesus and says, when you come in your kingdom, what? Remember me. And then Jesus makes a startling promise. Notice the thief thought Jesus was king, but it was a future kingdom. It was something that would never be experienced in the now. He goes, today... He amends himself while he's on the cross. Amen, i got to preach real quick before I go. I tell you, you'll be with me in paradise today. Now, notice what happens. Does that thief get baptized? Like, hey guys, you got to get me down. If I don't get baptized, I don't get it. Does that thief join a local church? No, he goes on to be with the Lord in paradise. So please, I need you to see the big pen versus what we'll see in a minute. That to be a part of the big pen, it's repentance of sin and trusting Christ as our Savior. I am not here to burden you with other things that are not qualifications or requirements to be a part of God's flock. Now, what I will contend with you, if you are alive, able, available, and able, there are things where we express our love in obedience to Jesus. Right? They're not salvific. They do not save us. But because we were saved, we do go and live for Jesus. All right? And I, that's where I'll dwell on here in a minute. But to be a part of the, the big flock, it is just penance of sin and trusting Christ as your Savior. Real quick, before we move to the next passage, just make note here, who builds the church? Who is that? Jesus. And he says he will do it. He will accomplish it. What a wonderful promise. Now, let's go to Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verses 15 through 18. This is the second and last time Jesus will use the term church. Isn't that amazing? That in the earthly personal uh, ministry of Jesus, he only uses the term church twice. So we just read the first one. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. And now let's read Matthew 18, he says this, verse 15, Matthew 18, 15. If your brother sins against you, a bro, the brother here is a picture of a Christian brother or sister, All right, a Christian a, 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 a discipled brother or sister. So this is a follower of Jesus. So if your brother or sister, a Christian, sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. So private and directly, that's how you address that. You confront them. If he, is, if he listens to you, you have won your brother. You're reconciled. But if he won't listen, take one or two others with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he doesn't pay attention to them, so notice it's a small group that's went and confronted them. Tell the church. Tell the ecclesia. Now, he's only the only other time it's come out of Jesus' mouth recorded in Scripture is Matthew 16. Remember that. So he says, tell the ecclesia. Then, look in verse, uh, the rest of the part. If he doesn't pay attention even to the ecclesia, let him be like a Gentile and a tax collector to you. And then he says this, truly I tell y'all, whatever y'all bond on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever y'all loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, This is an amazing thing. I need you to think, I know the text is sitting in front of you, but I need you to think about the world behind the text. What situation is in Jesus' mind that he's trying to address? Because it's clear the church isn't established like in the book of Acts that we see here in his gospel ministry. What is Jesus envisioning going on? All right, here's a couple of things that I think we can see implied or tacit in the text. The church here, the word ekklesia that's used two times in this passage, cannot be the universal, universal cosmic big pin church I just talked about. Think about it, all right? Let's say me and Caleb are at odds with one another. Right? And then I go get Andrew and David and take David and Andrew to Caleb and say, Hey Caleb, you've sinned against me. I want your forgiveness. I want I want you to I want to forgive you, but I want you to recognize this. And so he refuses me, refuses the the other brothers that go along with it. Now think about this. How am I to retreat and assemble the universal church? How am I, Joshua, I need all the saints from all the ages and all places to come together? You can't do that. Alright? So I want you to see this. Jesus is already showing us a range of what ecclesia may be. It could include the universal church, or what I think Jesus has in mind behind the, the text is a small, visible, local congregation. Everybody got what I mean? One like you're sitting in here because you could not fulfill His command if you actually had to go get the universal church. It doesn't exist. We can't go get it yet. Alright? So I want you to see Jesus has in His mind some vision of a smaller community that's gathering together in His name. The other part is this. Catch this. Jesus is assuming that Christians will do life together. Listen to this. Hey, I can't offend you if you're not here. You can't be offended if you're not here. So notice, apparently Christians are rubbing elbows enough to get agitated with one another. Isn't that amazing? That Jesus, before the church even exists, He's like, and let me tell you, I promise you two things about the church. Church isn't going to help you. Listen to me, it's going to help you. I promise you two things about the church. I'll build it and you won't get along. Isn't that awesome? I'll build it, and you won't get along. How many many of you have not gotten along at church? Should be every person's hand, if you're doing it right. So he's saying, I'm already telling you, this is how you handle it when you're at odds with one another. So Jesus is assuming there's no Lone Ranger Christian Do you catch that? He is assuming, you can write this down, your regular involvement is implied. Jesus is sitting there saying, I'm not going to tell you what's obvious. I called a corporate community together. It's not just about me and you, it's me and y'all. The disciples never thought of themselves as just by themselves. All right? It was the whole disciple band. It was a group. Jesus thought that group mentality would be continued. Jesus, now here's the harder one to think about. Jesus does not give authority to the offended person or even the small group to dismiss that person from the church. Did you catch this? So again, let's go back to me and Caleb. Me and Caleb are at odds with one another, right? I can't, even just as pastor, I can't look at Caleb and, Caleb, you no longer belong here. I can't do that. I don't have the authority to do that. Even if me and David and Andrew and Tommy, now we got deacons involved, right? Spiritual leaders went to Caleb. We don't have the authority to just dismiss them. Notice who it takes to excommunicate or to remove somebody from fellowship who remains in unrepentant sin. What does it say? Say it loud. The church. Who is that? All 'all, y'all, y'all, every one of you. It requires the whole church coming together. Only this group has he given the authority to affirm or not affirm someone's faith. To really disciple and discipline someone. To restore to fellowship someone who has been disciplined and then repents. Only the church can make that statement. Not even a small group. I need you to catch this. Your Sunday school cannot function like a church. And I'll get to a minute. Well, what makes up a church? But I need you to see this. Notice this. Apparently, at the end of the day, if we remain in unrepentant sin, I'm talking to each one of you personally. Catch this. If you remain in unrepentant sin, the church has an authority. The local church has an authority over your life. This is where the part I didn't, I'm not excited to talk about it because a lot of people don't want to talk about this. And you can write this down. Very technically, you don't, write it down, don't join a church. You submit to a local church. Did you catch that? That together, and and notice what I said. I didn't mean, oh, you come here and you submit to Josh and the deacons. No, 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 (laughs) no. All y'all. We're submitting, we're submitting to one another, right? And so, of course, I mean, how am I going to put on the back of the bulletin? Would you like to submit to Mount Carmel? <laughs> right? So we say, would you like to join? <laughs> but in a very biblical sense, this is the question you should be asking. I'm telling you, every, I, I don't know. I know there's people, this is your first time visiting. This is There's people been here years, I mean, 30, 40 years, the question that you ask when you go into a local church is not would I like to join this church, Is will I submit to this church? That's a much more deeper and profound question. Would I take my life and submit to the authority, the, the collective authority that these people have in my discipleship? Much more profound question. And we don't even ask it. Well, I like the preaching, like the music. No, no, There's much more to a church than that. And let me tell you, I don't blame churches for doing that. Pastors are responsible to tell the church what the church is. So, what is a local church? <laughs> write this down. This is from Jonathan Lehman's book on church membership. But I want, I want you to catch this. This is taken into context the whole New Testament because Jesus, for instance, only talks about it twice, and then the apostles, his disciples, talk about it more. And I think this is a good, good idea. A local church, write it down, and this is the little pin. The little pin. The the church is comprised of a lot of little pins. right? So the local church, the little pin, is a group of Christians. Now please catch all this because if you stop there, that means anything can be church. You've got to follow the whole definition. A group of Christians who regularly gather in Christ's name to officially affirm and oversee one another membership in Jesus Christ ...and His kingdom, so we're, dis, we're discipling and disciplining one another... ...who's a part of the big church, the big pen... ...through gospel preaching and gospel ordinances. I need you to see this just real quick. A group of Christians is not a church. Gathering together is not a church in, in a local New Testament sense. To just officially affirm and oversee one another's membership in Jesus Christ... ...and His kingdom, accountability, is not just the church... Gospel preaching is not just the church. Gospel ordinances is not just the church. Notice what happens. It's the combination of all these things that make the church happen. Listen to this. Let's think of it like this. 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen 18 says it this way. For to begin with, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. Did you catch that? Paul actually thought of this. There, Christians can gather outside of the gathering and be Christians, but it still not be church. Did you catch it? So the church is not just a gathering of Christians. It's coming together regularly for discipleship and discipline and gospel preaching and ordinances. It has a function. See, it's a people and these functions coming together, and that comprises the local church. So what is local church membership? Boy, that's where we're at now. What does it mean to be a part of a local church? And that's all Jesus has to say about that matter. All, everybody under the sun is welcome to attend a local church. All are, right? And even as Brother Rick said, you're welcome to serve in certain positions in the church, okay? But here's the part where local, mem- local church membership matters. Local church membership, write it down, is a formal relationship between a Christian and a local church. We're making a formal distinction. That's what we're doing. I'm letting you know. Just like Jesus made a dividing line, so to speak, of the world and his church, what we're doing with little pins, you want to know what the little pins are doing? Do you belong to this flock or to another flock? That's all we're asking. Are you in this, are you committed with us in this little pin? Or are you a part of another little pin? because the point what we're trying to say and Cindy Pruitt wrote this this is y'all but she gave me my sermon Sunday and Monday pick your pen write it down take on pick your pen that's it what we're trying to say is you need to be a part of that smaller gathering and you need to be committed to it on a regular basis uh, being discipled being disciplined hearing the preaching of the gospel seeing baptisms <laughs> Having the Lord's Supper with one another. Pick your pen, that's all we ask. And I'm not saying you must pick at this moment. I'm saying please be on that road to picking your pen. Take the next right step. Be a part of a local church. Now, what does it mean to have a formal relationship with the church? And this is the part that always is hard. The way Baptist churches have traditionally defined their relationship Alright. It's not just that when you come forward, for instance, can you come forward? The pastor will oversee you, deacons will care about you, uh, and you'll be able to vote. That's 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 a terrible definition of the relationship between a church and a local a church and a Christian. So, what does it look like? Churches have traditionally have things called a church covenant. All right. Now, if you'll flip your paper over, you'll see Mount Carmel's church covenant. And in full, full transparency. This covenant is from 1833. Now, the reason why that's mesmerizing is because the church, Mount Carmel, wasn't founded until 1890. This this covenant predates the church covenant, I mean the church constitution. All right? And what you'll see in there, and I've outlined it in a different way, all right, in case you've never seen it. It basically goes through the parties, who's, who's engaging with one another, right? Salvation and baptism. And then it goes through our responsibilities to one another and our personal, individual responsibilities. I need you to know that if you're going to become a member of Mount Carmel, I want you to see that and review that. That is defining the relationship between you as a a Christian here in Habersham and this particular local church. All right? Now, I'm not saying that document is infallible. It's scripture, you know? I'm not saying that. This just gives some definition as to the expectations, the privileges, and the responsibilities. And what you'll find more often than not, the privileges and responsibilities of church membership are opportunities. Both and. You have an opportunity and you're responsible to do what? Use the opportunity. It's really interesting. It is not, it is not a membership of a, of a country club. In a country club, you pay the fees and people do the work. The weird thing here is you give to the church and do the work. I'm just full, full disclosure. So it ain't that. But the church covenant explains, what is it that you're doing? There it is. Now, for sake of time, I need to move on. I told you, I, w- I want you to pick your pen. And here's what I would tell you to do. At, for one moment, I'm going to stop being a pastor of Mount Carmel and just tell you as a Christian. I would encourage you, unlike when I was th- you know, 13 years ago, Pick a church where membership matters. Because here's what I've found the older I've gotten and the more I study is when church membership matters little to a church, all right, that church will matter little to you. And what I mean by that is this it's like accountability. I've heard somebody tell me this way Josh, the reason I keep you accountable is because I believe you have the power to do something, right? I have no expectations of you, right? None, none. Nobody, your neighbor has no expectation. Then what we're implying is you don't have the power to do anything. Just come, sit, give, go home. And I want you to know this if you spend any time with me. Oh, no, no, no. I believe the Spirit of God fills you, and you have a gift that belongs to a local church. All right? We actually have high expectations that you will come and serve and love and enjoy doing it, like, not in a mean, callous way. And so I want to tell you, wherever you go, wherever it might be, make sure that membership means more than walking down an aisle. All right? That's what I ask you to do. Pick your pen, but keep that in mind. Now, what would it mean to be a member of Mount Carmel? This is where it gets, now i put my pastor hat back on real quick. What does it mean to be a member here? And this is what I wanted to say. How would I sum up the church covenant in one line? That's one of the hardest things to do. It's a lot of work if you read that church covenant. And here's how Josh Taylor, I have stolen this from our lead strategist, our women's lead strategist, Beth Ann Williams for the Georgia Baptist Women. She has it one way. I'm stealing it and adapting it because when I heard it, it to me explained what our church covenant was. And you can write this down. Every member in community on mission Every member in community on mission. Here is my, my hope and desire, according to our covenant, what I would wish for every person who walks through the doors of Mount Carmel Baptist Church. First, I would hope that every one of you becomes a member. And you say, why? Why? Because here's what's implied in membership. This is what I love. If you become a member of Mount Carmel, here's what it would have meant you've done. You've repented of your sins and trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That would, we would have no greater joy than to affirm the fact that you're a part of the Big Ben. The second thing is this. It means this. You've been baptized by immersion. That you became a believer and you've been baptized by immersion. That means you're obeying Jesus' command to be baptized. We would love to help you with that. It means you've seen the church covenant. And here's what that means is this. I hope you see that it's not just about you. Right? We do the Christian life together. We don't do it alone. And it also means that the church... Has, a uni- has held a unanimous vote and they affirm you publicly. That means the church actually says, we think this person is a real Christian. I, don't, I think that's an encouragement. Right? We're with them. We stand in solidarity with that person and they stand with us. What does it mean to be in community? Every member in community. Here's the part. You regularly gather for worship like we're doing now. Now here's the part I'm sympathetic about. Regularly gather. I understand that in 2020, one out of three people will work on a Sunday. That's the the new stat. We are living in a more non-traditional work schedule than any other time. But I want you to notice this. I don't know if you all know this. Hey, our doors are open Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. (laughs) Okay? And if we need to open them more, my wife will be a little angry, but we'll figure it out. Gather with us. I think we tend to think, well, I can't make it at 11. Saints are here at other times. Just come be with them. Come be with them. Also, connect with others in a Sunday school class or in a discipleship group. You're going to see some more of that as we come, and you'll get a sermon on the discipleship group. But here's the part that I need you to understand. I love, let me tell you, there's probably 160, 170 people sitting in this room. I would love to be able to tell you Monday who was here and who wasn't. <laughs> if I could do that, I'd be me- I'm just mesmerized. Here's what I'm trying to tell you as we grow larger as a church, go and connect in a small group because they're the, fir- they're the front lines of knowing the problems in your life, good or bad, too. They can rejoice with you, they can pray for you, you can unload your burdens please connect with even people in our little pen, maybe in a smaller little pen. <laughs> Does that make sense? Please go do it. Engage in the Bible with them. Pray with them. Let them know something about you. Because here's what, I'm, here's what I'm aware of. You can walk in this church, sit down, not open your mouth and walk out, and nobody know you anymore. And that's still lone ranger Christianity. No matter even if you came to church, I'm actually asking you to engage with other Christians. To be in community. And then be on mission. Be on mission. Two things. Serve on a ministry team. All right, On the back of that tariff panel at the very bottom, it lists some of the ministry teams that you can be involved in. Serve here in your local church. In case you're wondering, I expect every member to be on a ministry team or a church committee. I do. Why? Because the Spirit of God fills you. You have something to give to the church that no one else can give. Yes, I do want you to be a part of that. And then the other part is to reach out to the lost. You'll have opportunity after opportunity in unorganized ways and in organized ways by Mount Carmel to what? To reach out and share the gospel, proclaim the gospel with the lost and dying world right here in Habersham County. But every member in community on mission. And, some, and hopefully you can use that to test yourself. Where are you at in that process? Pastor Mark Dever writes this. I once had a friend who worked for a campus Christian ministry while attending a church. While I was a member, he would always slip in right after the hymns, sit there for a sermon, and then leave. I asked him one day why he didn't come for the whole service. Well, he said, I don't get anything out of the rest of it. Have you ever thought about joining the church? Dever responded. He thought that was an absurd comment. He said, why would I join the church? If I joined them, I think they would slow me down spiritually. I asked, have you ever considered that maybe God wants you to link arm with, arms with those other people and that perhaps even though they may, be, they may slow you down a little, you might speed them up a little? And that's a part of God's plan of how we're supposed to live as Christians together. See, we have that Western individualized mindset. Well, what am I going to get out of it? You may not get anything out of it. You may be coming here to give give it to somebody else. God is not only concerned about the length and the regularity of your quiet time each morning. He is also concerned about how you treat others and that includes how you treat others with whom you have nothing in common except for Jesus Christ. You say, well, we have nothing in common. Do you love Jesus? Yep, well, then that's all you need to start being a part of a local church. (laughs) That's why you need to invest your life in others and and allow others to invest their lives in you. Being a member of a church should instill in you a committed concern for others Growing as a Christian is not merely an individual matter. Rather, it is a matter of a whole church. Your spiritual well-being is connected to my spiritual well-being and back and forth. So my question to you is, which pen are you in? Thanks for listening to Mount Carmel Baptist Church's weekly Sunday worship service message. Carmel is located in Demarest, Georgia. Please join us this Sunday at 11 a.m. To plan your visit, go to mtcarmeldemarest.com.